Hi there, welcome back to the business side of fitness. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, we'll highlight fitness industry experts to learn about their personal journey and unique perspective. Through these conversations, we'll learn all about what it really takes to succeed in fitness. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano LLC, specializing in fitness and wellness business development for impactful brands. The time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story, and now it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show, Scarlett Lang. Passionate about finding a solution for blood sugar management that was both natural and accessible, Scarlett tapped her belief in herbal medicine to lead the way when formulating Sugar Breaks product line. Having witnessed a close friend struggling with type 1 diabetes, she was motivated to join forces with Sugar Breaks co-founders to create a contemporary end-to-end solution for blood sugar management. Scarlett is emphatically driven by the human experience, having led several successful businesses across fashion, grocery, and fertility with the common ground of consumer-oriented strategy. Wow, that's an impressive bio. Welcome to the show, Scarlett. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Vanessa. I mean, honestly, you you have such a diverse background. I don't think I've met many people that have worked across so many different verticals and you've lived in several different cities, both throughout the US and, and internationally. So I'd love for you to just explain to the audience a little bit about your background and all the kind of twists and turns that led to you ultimately founding Sugar Break. Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, I have a non-linear career path. I started my career at Deloitte and then I worked in fashion um, for All Saints, helping them build their business across globally. So in North America, Europe, even in the Middle East and Latin America. And then I worked for L'Oreal, helping them build Longcom in Asia. And then for Fresh Direct as our chief customer experience officer. And right before Sugar Break, I was on the founding team of Trellis, which is an egg freezing studio meant to give women more meaningful medical options that really put them first. And great medical care was just table stakes. And, you know, I would love to tell you that I planned this, but I definitely did it. I'm definitely someone who, if I see an interesting opportunity that excites me, I go for it. I've been told early in my career that I really had to focus on something and otherwise I would never be able to progress, but I just love being jack of all trades. And so I've worked across so many different functions just to learn more about different businesses and how to run them. And I've had a great time and it's really helped me as an entrepreneur. And so you had this friend that was struggling through diabetes. At what point did you say, Hey, I can do something about this. I have an idea or I want to start a company. Like, how did that all happen? I think The trigger was really when I started my previous company in egg freezing. I saw how by being in the entrepreneurship world, you could create value for people outside of traditional healthcare because you can move so much faster and you can really you know, work outside the parameters of big organizations like insurance and hospitals. And so when I was introduced to my co-founders and I learned about the mission of Sugar Break, I was immediately drawn to it. The ability to impact 
such a large population when one in three Americans are either pre-diabetic or diabetic. And right now the options are really pharmaceutical drugs or willpower and there's nothing in between and whatever's out there clearly isn't working or there would be so many people struggling with shirt consumption, diabetes. So the idea of creating a product that would be accessible and that is through CPG that could really help people was very exciting to me. And that's something I talk about on this podcast quite often is we have access to all these gizmos and gadgets for fitness tracking, for sleep tracking, for all these things. And yet diabetes is on the rise. And this was one of the indicating factors of survival rate with most recently with COVID and other illnesses that go hand in hand with diabetes. Why do you think so many people struggle with sugar addiction? I think one of the things I mentioned, there just aren't a lot of options, right? You have to be very severe and then you get pharmaceutical drugs. And before that, it's all willpower. It's all on you. I think there's also a huge stigma around diabetes. It's one of those strange chronic diseases where when you get diagnosed with it, we tell people assume that you brought it onto yourself, which you would never say if it was any other disease. And I think that makes it really difficult emotionally for people. And that sort of shame makes it much harder for people to manage it. So that's why if you look at our products, it was designed with being able to fit into your lifestyle in mind. We have three products that that help address each of the pain points that when speaking to people made it really hard to manage sugar consumption, their blood sugar. The first being resist, which is like a Listerine breath strip with the added benefit of blocking the taste of sweet. It uses this amazing herb, Ayurvedic herb called Janema Silvestri called sugar destroyer in Hindi. You put it on your tongue and it immediately blocks the taste of sweet and helps curb your sugar cravings. So if you tried it, you put a pack of sugar in your mouth, it would feel like sand in your mouth. And we work with Mount Sinai, our, one of our advisors is the chief of eating disorders and obesity there. And even his most severe patients have been able to achieve incredible results. And there has been nothing out there similarly that has helped it, people when 90% of Americans are trying to cut down on their sugar consumption. Our second product is called Stabilize and it uses white mulberry leaf to block carbs and sugars in your gut. So imagine you had a bowl of carbonara, 40% of the carbs from it would get blocked. And so also the calories associated with it. And this is so important because when we talk to people struggling with managing blood sugar, one of their biggest slip ups is when they're eating because so much of their social life is around eating. And that's when they feel the most shame. That's when they feel the most isolated. And when they think that they can't achieve it, you know, they sort of give up a little because the average person gets diagnosed in their late thirties. So not being able to have the food that you love for the next 40 years is super daunting. I saw that in my friend, every meal carried so much emotional weight. So we want to create this so people could still feel normal. And we know that if they can feel that this is something sustainable, they'll ha do a better job at managing blood sugar. And what's the third product? The third product is a daily capsule called Reduce, and it helps you maintain healthy blood sugar. 
it uses amazing herbs that combat all the different reasons why blood sugar would accumulate in your bloodstream from, you know, slowing down the absorption of carbs and sugars to helping expedite the usage of glucose into your cells and blocking sugars from being absorbed in your gut. We've had incredible consumer response saying that they've tried everything and this is the first thing they've had that's even helped them get into remission. So I'm really excited. I love it, Scarlett. I mean, this really hits home for me. You know, my mom has diabetes and she definitely has a lot of shame around it. She keeps it a secret from a bunch of our family members. I hope none of them are listening to this particular episode or I'm in big trouble. And coming from the fitness industry and just seeing so many chronic dieters, people that try to restrict themselves, there is a lot of emotion around like, you know, that's why diets fail because I think people get so restrictive. Like I'm never going to eat pasta again. And then automatically it's like a vicious cycle. Your mind is like, you have that scarcity mindset. I'm never going to have this again. So I need to like gorge on it before the diet. And then as soon as the diet's over, you, you know, like you go back to it or you feel shame for not being able to resist. And so I love the idea of these products to really help people experience success. And that leads me to my next question. Are all sugar substitutes healthy or better than sugar? Because there are so many sugar substitutes out there. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. It depends on the sugar substitute, right? There are some that are naturally derived, like stevia that comes from a plant, which is much healthier than something that is made in the lab. And, you know, we look at all the different studies. There are, there are new things being created every day, but there are ones that are carcinogens are not so great for you. So I always say, read the label and do the research. And so circling back to your really diverse and interesting background, because I'm just obsessed. <laughs> like when you were working in all these different industries, was it like you were looking for for something, you were searching for something, either fulfillment or something else that you weren't getting. And so that made you look for these other opportunities, or was it just kind of like one thing led to another? And then all of a sudden you look back and you're like, wow, I've done a lot. Definitely one thing led to another every single time. It's been someone who's headhunted me for the role and the roles have always been non-traditional. So it's they usually start to start to look for someone who they think has a traditional fit, can't find the person. And then they come to me and they're like, actually, we think that even though you've never done this before, healthcare and fertility, they're like, I think you have all the skill sets and you can just learn how to run a medical business very quickly. So it's definitely not planned. And I'm very fortunate. I've just had a very open mind on you know, what I wanted to do. And it's more about the company and the mission that's really driven me. I love that. Cause I think especially now, like I read something on LinkedIn, an article that said like 40% of the workforce is considering a career change. And I think you make such a good point. Like it's never too late. Like you can go into a different industry. You can step outside of your comfort zone and try something different. Like what were some of the skills or principles, Scarlett, that you used in fertility, grocery, fashion that you then applied to launching Sugar Break? I think listening to the customer. 
I think that and people was the most important part, you know, across all these businesses to really add value to your customer base. You have to give them what they want. And sometimes they don't know what they want, but it's really listening to them and where their pain points are. So for fertility, you know, I spoke to a number of my girlfriends who have gone through the experience and what was really difficult for them. And we designed a business that was catered to them to make it easy to understand hours that made sense with really white glove service. With Sugar Break, it was listening to what were the hurdles behind them, like having a meal and how difficult that was, really observing what was tripping people up and what was making it so hard is how we created our products. And that's why there's nothing else out there like ours. And so if somebody's listening to this podcast right now and they're like, you know what, I need to get in touch with my customer or ideal customer and understand a little bit more about what they're looking for so that I can get that product market fit, how would you recommend that they do that? Is it by sending out surveys? Is it by actually picking up the phone and calling people that have used it? Like, How did you actually get that feedback? It's talking to them and, you know, going through, you know, walk me through a day in your life. And through that, you get really interesting snippets into, you can, you know, see their emotions and see how they talk about different things and what stresses them out. I watched my friend get diagnosed and live that journey with him, right? He, you know, had to quit his job because... You know, he was in the spirits industry. And so, you know, he couldn't drink like he used to and work with clients. You know, even, you know, down to, you know, it was right before his wedding and how we had to like change all the plans. Like this, you know, being that close to him and seeing all of that happen and what made it really hard helped, helped me, you know, think through sugar break. And, you know, that's why I think, you know, the focus groups sometimes don't work because, that's very, you know, top of mind and you're depending on consumers to tell you what they want. But then when you're with them and living in their shoes, then you really see where the needs are and where the gaps are. One thing that I think is really interesting about your brand is it's very bold and fun and like playful. So why did you decide to go that route? I think, you know, somebody listening to this is maybe that hasn't seen the visual would think that this is a very like medical product that it would look like a supplement or a, a medical product and your branding is not like that. So I'd love to hear a little bit more behind the decision there. Yeah. So, you know, I talked a little bit about the shame and the stigma around diabetes and that hopelessness you feel. And I wanted to turn that around. You know, I wanted people to feel like they've got this. Our products are there to empower you. They're a tool to help you take care of yourself. So it's not so daunting. You've got this. So I want it to be bright and uplifting. And if that's the first thing you take in the morning, I want it to bring a smile to your face and not feel like, you know, my health isn't exactly where I want it to be. And looking at depressing sort of bottle that is medication or, you know, homeopathic products, you know, how 
don't have the best reputation. Yeah, there's a lot of snake oil out there. That was the scrutiny. I didn't want to look like that either because all of our ingredients are clinically tested for efficacy. So I wanted to create something that was completely different from what was out there. And Scarlett, I'd love to hear a little bit about your observations living in different cities and, you know, globally. Do you think, you know, there's something about the American culture that makes diabetes such an epidemic here? Are we too focused on food? What would you say based on just your personal observations from traveling and and living in other cities that, that, you know, leads to the prevalence of diabetes here? I would... You know, it's not just an American problem. It's actually growing in the rest of the world very rapidly. And in the rest of the world, they think that it is Atasha Western culture and having more processed foods and eating more. But I think it's it's a combination of a lot of things, right? You know, there are many reasons behind diabetes beyond genetics in diet, you know, stress is part of it, environmental factors. So, you know, we're trying to help with the things that you have control over and food consumption and sugar intake is a big part of it. And so it's not just, it's not just America. Right. I think it's that does get, you know, that is the reputation of like Americans are fat and lazy. And so that's why this is an issue. But, you know, I do think that, you know, as there's more globalization happening, you know, we are seeing more processed foods. We are seeing more additives in food. Like the other day I was like reading a label for, you know, tomato sauce and there was like all this garbage in there. I'm like, shouldn't it be like tomatoes, olive oil, garlic, you know, like there's just so much, the list of ingredients in tomato sauce was insane. So I'm sure that plays a a part of it. And being a grocery, I've seen the cost of actually growing really beautiful and delicious produce and unfortunately, the way that globalization happens, you can never get pro- fruit that's like ripened on the vine anymore. It's picked when it isn't ripe, and then it's and then it's brought to its final destination and ripened in a facility. And so, a lot of things like they just don't taste as great. And you have to add, you don't have to. Companies add additives to keep costs down and make it delicious. That's what I hear from people that own restaurants. It's I have to make it taste good, and if I prepared it the way that, you know, was quote unquote healthy, it wouldn't taste good. So I'm like, that's a double-edged sword. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh boy. So this is, I think I wanted, there were definitely phases. I remember when I was like three, I wrote, I wanted to be a fairy because I wanted magical powers and definitely got laughed at by the class. And then I thought I wanted to be an architect because I love the ocean and I thought I could build this underwater mansion for myself. So definitely not what I'm doing now. Entrepreneurship was definitely never in the cards. Come from a family of entrepreneurs and saw how it was all consuming and came before everything else, even before family. And I didn't want to be that. But now that I have my own company, I can't imagine 
doing anything else. And one of the really fun things is being able to build a company based on my values. So it doesn't have to be what I observe. And it actually is very exciting to me to build a successful company that is mission-based, that will hopefully move the needle in the health of people across America and hopefully globally and a great employer as well. So speaking of being an employer and the building the business of your dreams, you've worked with the biggest brands, Deloitte, L'Oreal, Philip Morris, All Saints. These are all huge global brands. What did you learn about what you want and don't want for your own personal brand based on some of your experiences or observations? Yeah, I definitely worked with a lot of great people and a lot of not so great people. So I think one of the things that I took away is meritocracy. Deloitte was one of the best places I worked at that really promoted people based on merit and had a very organized system of how people were ranked against their peers and awarded. And so I really believe in that. And I think, especially given the opportunities that I've been given in my career, I really value, you know, hard work and awarding people by merit, not by tenure, not by age. And also, I don't believe that people have to only be in one one area of the business throughout their career. I love giving people on my team the general manager experience that I've had, because I think it's dangerous when people make decisions in a silo. And as a business leader, I want my team to also understand what why I make certain decisions. So to make sure that we're aligned and that they can learn. And hopefully one day they will also become leaders for their own business as well. You made such a good point about making decisions based on coming from a silo. I think one of the things that's really helped me in marketing is my sales background because I look at marketing as the, the driver of sales, providing the sales team with all the tools that they need. And having sold, I think that's really helped me. But I do think that having functional experience of actually interfacing with customers and being able to have an operational background, I think that's all so helpful because it's about perspective, right? And perspective is everything. So when you were putting together Sugar Break, how did you go about assembling your team and how do you make sure that you're finding the right people? Because I think talent acquisition and retaining talent is something that is so important for businesses. So how do you do that at Sugar Break? I think it's finding the right fit, actually. Culture is really important to me and finding people who are committed to the mission because if they love the company and they love what we're doing, they're going to be so much better at their job and they're also going to want to stay because working at a startup can be a little crazy, right? It's a lot of hard work. You really have to roll up your sleeves and you do, even as CEO, I'm like, I'm the CEO sometimes, but I'm also sometimes a janitor. You have to really be okay doing everything. And so that really helps, especially when you're a small team, culture is everything. You spend a lot of time together and that you cannot train, right? Skills you can 
So if someone is smart and they're a great person, I'm more than happy to train them and get them to where they need to be to perform their role. But yeah, that is paramount. So even for when interviews, I always, after interviewing, I'll let the candidate also speak to my team without me present. I was like, ask them whatever you need to know about culture, management style, because that fit is really important. And I do believe that when people leave, they leave managers and they don't leave the job. I completely agree with you. It's like people do business with people and people work with people. It's not just about the job in particular. So switching gears here, Scarlett, you raised, I think it's $3 million in in seed funding. I would love to hear a little bit about that experience. I've spoken to some other female founders that shared some of their struggles with fundraising and they did feel like there were some differences between being a female fundraiser and being a male looking for funding. And I just love to hear what that experience was like for you. And if you think it was skewed either way, because you are a female. I think there's no secret there that it is much harder fundraising as a female, less than 2% of venture capital goes to female founders, women of color. I don't even know what that percentage is. It's so low that there is a statistic and it only got worse during COVID. And that's when I fundraised, but I do realize that I'm very privileged at the same point because I have worked for very big name companies with a proven track record. I fundraised previously, so I have a great network. I come from a brand name school. I went to MIT. I had a network to make it much easier for me. And I had I had a list of investors I could go to, people who would actually pick up the phone and come see me. Even when the world shut down, I could still fundraise. But it is very different. I talked to other male entrepreneurs, male counterparts, and they always get the questions that are, how much can you grow the business? Where do you think you can take this? It's all about the vision, the sky's the limit. And the questions I got a lot were like really scrutinizing every single line I had, which was already quite conservative about what could go wrong. Why do people want, like, why hasn't anyone else thought of this? What, why are you the first to come up with this? So I think there is a gender bias and there's tons of studies that show that, but I think, you know, I was very lucky and I was able to meet great investors. And I think that was one of my huge learnings from my past is to make sure that you find the right investors because that makes starting a business and running a company that much easier. Our investors are all super mission focused and that allows me the room to make decisions at Sugar Break as well that are based on benefiting our customers over the bottom line sometimes. And that's been really helpful. Because I've heard from founders that they regret taking on investment because then they're answering to these people that don't necessarily 
align with their values and they're it's they were checking a box by investing in this this concept not because they thought that they really believed in the product or service so it is so important to work with people that really believe in what you are doing how are you able to score distribution in target and create these strategic uh, partnerships with Roblox. And I feel like you've experienced for such a short time. I feel like sugar break has really made headway. And I just love to hear a little bit about how you actually made that happen. We're, we launched online in September. So it's incredible that we're full chain at Target within six months and have a full shelf presence. And Target's an amazing retailer. They're very progressive. They work very well for D2C and they really saw that gap right now and opportunity between RX meeting natural and that people are looking for solutions outside of pharmaceutical, especially with all the things that have gone on in the pharmaceutical industry right now and that move towards consumers basically doing more research and finding products that are good for them. It was definitely helpful that my co-founder, Adam Lowry, is an amazing entrepreneur and he launched Method and Ripple and had great success with Target. So, you know, that definitely gave us some credibility. So when we, we were able to get our first meeting with them, but you know they really saw the vision and wanted to be part of that solution to help people get to a healthier state and manage their blood sugar. And then what about the relationship with Roblox? Because I have teenage sons, so I feel like that's definitely something that attracts kids. <laughs> yeah. So when, you know, we launched with three products, which was the adult line and with talking to advisors and doing more research, we saw how, you know, the root is really in childhood. One in three Americans are pre-diabetic or diabetic, but actually one in five adolescents are already pre-diabetic and one in five kids are obese. So we knew that we had to create something for children if we were serious about tackling diabetes as an epidemic. And I thought about how all of my friends who have kids, the challenge of getting them to eat is hard enough, let alone eating healthfully. And that was that proactive approach we took to our product. We create Stabilize as well that helps block carbs and sugar. So you feel a little less guilty when you have mac and cheese dinner, but then still having that conversation around what is healthy food versus what's not healthy food is a tough conversation and a boring conversation to have with your child. So I thought, why not put it into a game? And if we're going to put it into a game, you have to put it into Roblox because every kid is on Roblox. And the average, I think, American kid spends almost three hours a day on Roblox. So we wanted to use Roblox as a way to educate children on healthy eating. So if they're going to play a video game, at least they're learning at the same time. I love that. If you have to meet your consumer where they're at, and especially with adolescents, they start making their own choices. The kids are getting access to things that they might not get at, at home, at school. I've seen kids eating, like when I'm dropping off my kids at school in the morning, like chips. My teenage sons, I thought, 
opening a bank account for them would be a positive thing to teach them how to manage money. And what do they do? They order bags of candy from Amazon Prime and get it delivered to the house. And having those conversations coming from a parent, it's like an automatic eye roll. But when they're hearing that positive message from somebody else who they idolize, like a a gamer or a video game, it really helps deliver that message in a way that is hopefully received a lot better than coming from boring mom and dad. So Scarlett, it's been such a pleasure to learn about you and your journey. If somebody's listening to this and they want to find out more about you, connect with you or find out more about Sugar Break, how can they do Our website is www.sugarbreak.com. You can follow us on Instagram at take a sugar break. And you can find me on Instagram as well, Scarlett underscore one. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. I have a huge favor to ask of you. If you found value in this episode, I'd love it if you would please subscribe, review, and share this episode. It would really mean so much to me. I truly love connecting with fitness and wellness experts. So if you'd like to be on the show or are looking for help in your business, definitely drop me a line and connect with me. You can find me at hello at vanessaseveriano.com or my social media handles. Since my last name is not the easiest to spell, I'm going to go ahead and make it really easy for you and link my contact details in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode.